0: All right, Revelation chapter number eight. Revelation chapter number eight. Last week we looked at the seven seal judgments. Tonight we're going to look at the seven trumpet judgments. Now, chronologically, we're at about the midpoint of the tribulation. And it's interesting how as you read these prophetic passages, how there is a very clear demarcation that is given uh, to the halfway point. Uh, for example, uh, if, if your Bible shows chapter 11 there, um, we're, we're going to go back to chapter eight, but the seven trumpet judgments go from chapter eight, verse two through chapter, uh, first part of chapter 11. And in chapter 11, verse two, it says, but the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not for it is given unto the Gentiles into the holy city. Shall they tread underfoot forty and two months? Well, what are forty two months? That's three and a half years. Uh, That same phrase is used in chapter 13, verse five, verse three of chapter 11, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Well, we know each year has 365 and a quarter days, but in the Jewish calendar at that point in time is 360 days. Three and a half times 360 is 1,260 or uh, the way it's put here in the scriptures, a thousand two hundred and three score days. Uh, in Daniel chapter 9, uh, verse 27, it talks about the midst of the week. Remember that of Daniel's prophecy of seventy weeks, a week equals seven years. So the midst of the week would be three and a half years. Uh, chapter 12 and verse 14, uh, it says it this way, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness in her place, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. That's another way of describing three and a half years. So it's repeated, and these all are references to the fact that. Uh, there was a clear demarcation, a change, of in the three and a half years. Not that the first three and a half were pleasant and uh, peaceful and fun, uh, but the first three and a half years were bad. The last three and a half years were very bad. And uh, we're at sort of the midpoint here. Uh, it appears that these seven trumpet judgments are at that mid-year point. And so this is when Ezekiel's talking about the armies from the north coming down and uh, that God would intervene and destroy the forces of what I would personally think are from Russia coming down, trying to destroy Israel. Uh, And you can imagine this will be startling headline news. But uh, uh, the question is, will men as a result turn to God in repentance And putting their faith in Jesus Christ and the sad story is as we read through the book of Revelation a few will but most will not and uh, there in chapter 11 it talked about the two witnesses and uh, at this point uh, while the judgments are going on there will be two witnesses from God that come to earth and they will capture the world's attention There's some debate, will they be Elijah and Enoch because they never died previously, they were taken to heaven without physically dying, or Elijah and Moses, or maybe there's some unidentified witnesses. The Bible doesn't say, we can conjecture, we can have opinion, uh, but uh, you know, we've gotta be careful about uh, how harshly we draw lines where the Bible doesn't say clearly, But if we were to read chapter 11 of Revelation, the Bible does tell us what these witnesses will do. It says that they will kill their enemies with fire. They'll be able to prevent rain. They'll turn water into blood. And they will bring plagues on the earth. And that's in addition to what else is going on as far as judgment on the earth during the tribulation. It's, uh, the Bible presents him as being invincible for three and a half years. Now, uh, nobody can harm them for that period of time. And it's a wonderful uh, story how that as long as God wants to use our life and God is able to use our life as he sees fit, we're invincible. But after those three and a half years, God removes his protection from them and the beast will kill them Uh, and Revelation chapter 11 verse number 7 says and when they shall have finished their testimony the beast that descendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. So uh, the Antichrist will gain great support for killing these witnesses because they were just troublemakers quote unquote in the world's eyes. But Verse 8 of chapter 11 says their bodies will be left on display for three days. Notice verse 8, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. Well, then, what's going to happen? Well, people are going to be celebrating. Verse ten, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, shall make merry, shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets, uh, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. So the world's going to be like, finally, we're rid of these troublemakers. It'll it'll be like Christmas. It'll be a celebrating. Let's let's celebrate this thing. But then, after those three days, God will resurrect them and take them to heaven. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 11. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. And the same hour was there a great earthquake and the tenth part of the city fell and in the earthquake were slain of men 7,000 and the remnant were frightened and gave glory to the God of heaven." That always troubled Bible teachers years ago. How can the entire world see that? Well today it's not hard to imagine at all. With the internet, everybody's carrying a phone, uh, you know, uh, yesterday sitting down with Rolanda's family talking about putting together some pictures and uh, she they said, well, none of their pictures were digitized. Yeah, that's a generational thing. I've got I've got tubs of pictures my mom and my sister had. But today they've got all their pictures in their pocket on a phone. You know, in that in that day. When, when the great beast kills him, I can imagine a lot of iPhones are pulled out or whatever brand, and it's all being videoed and being uploaded to the satellite, and the entire world can watch it. All the, well, it's, not, it's not hard to imagine at all now. I mean, you, you can see what's going on halfway around the world. Uh, Sunday night, because the services were over down there, I preached the third time. I tried to log in and watch the service here, make sure Sam wasn't preaching any kind of heresy, but I couldn't get a good connection to, it was uh, too bad, so we got off the hook this time. Uh, But, but, you know, you can can tune in around the world. You can see what's going on, and that's what's going to happen. In that day, the entire world will see it. So that's going on while these seven trumpet judgments are going on. Let's briefly look at these judgments. Remember the seven seals regarded the loss of life. The seven trumpets are environmental uh, catastrophe. And, And the way the Bible words it, they're of greater intensity than the seven seals. And the seven vials or bowls are yet to come and are yet worse. So look at Revelation chapter 8. I'll I'll read beginning in verse number 2. Verse number 1 talks about the last seal. We ended there last week. Verse number 2. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. Okay, so here's trumpet number one. The first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. Now verse number five talks about an earthquake Matthew 24, the Olivet Discourse, verse 7. The Lord said, For a nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. One commentator said, We might wonder if the seeming increasing number of earthquakes that we're seeing today are not the four shocks of the winding down of time. Verse number seven says about this first trumpet that it will rain, hail and fire mixed with blood on the earth and notice one third, the third part of trees were burnt up. Now just allow that statement to soak in. One out of every three trees on planted earth will be consumed in fire. Now you know what? That's an amazing reality. All uh, one third of the grass, the vegetation, the trees. So not only is that environmental, but think about the consequences. Think about the health issues, respiratory problems, all the dust, all the the smoke. Think about the uh, loss of the production of oxygen through photosynthesis. Plants take in carbon dioxide they emit oxygen, so uh, is there enough, will there be enough oxygen? Will that create a problem? Have you ever had trouble breathing, getting your oxygen up? You know what that feels like if you have lung issues? You know, I've got this sarcoidosis. If I run up a flight of stairs uh, on the wrong day, it takes me a while to be able to get my breath. It's a scary thing to not be able to get your breath. And imagine that oxygen depletion, imagine the the pollution, and imagine the loss of the production of vegetation, you know, farm products. One third of all vegetation will be destroyed, trumpet number one. Look at verse number eight, trumpet number two. The second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. So this is a a massive like mountain. Is it a meteor? I'm not sure. That's what it sounds like to me. But what it says is that uh, in verse number eight, that a mountain burning with fire. Well, that sounds like a volcano. A mountain burning with fire. And it is cast into the sea. So uh, God takes this volcano, cast it into the sea and look at the destruction. One third of the sea will become blood one third of the life in the sea, so that's fish, sea creatures, all of that, uh, which deals not only with just the devastation, but it deals with food supply. You know, much of the world finds their food supply in the ocean and one third of the shipping industry is destroyed. Do you think that's going to create some havoc? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at verse number 10, the third trumpet. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were, a lamp. And it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. This is the one that sounds like a meteor. I'm sorry, I spoke ahead of myself. Verse 11, and the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became wormwood. And many uh, men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So here we have this meteor that will now pollute the fresh water supply. The rivers, the lakes, the source of life. Wormwood speaks of that which is bitter. Not just distasteful, but that which is poisonous. You don't have fresh water, you die. And so the fresh waters of the world will be contaminated. And the, the result of this will cause great devastation in coastal communities. You can imagine like the tsunamis we see occasionally uh, or the, the hurricanes that come up against the coast. Great devastation. The fourth trumpet, verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened. And the day shone not for the third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet, of the three angels which are yet to sound. So now the sun. Well, you, you lose one third of vegetation, trumpet number one, now uh, trumpet number four, uh, it, it continues that devastation because you've gotta have the sun for the process of photosynthesis as well. So it affects the sun, it affects the moon, it affects the stars, it affects the day-night cycle. One third of the heavenly bodies will be darkened. Without the sun, plants cannot produce the oxygen for us to breathe. Jesus said in the all of that discourse in, in Luke's rendering of it, chapter twenty-one and verse twenty-five, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distresses of nation with perplexity, and the sea and waves roaring. You know, I'm not I'm not a superstitious guy I am not a uh, you know I, I, I don't see you know all kinds of crazy stuff but notice how much people get all worked up when you have a lunar eclipse or a solar eclipse what do you think they're going to react when one third of all the heavenly bodies the lights shut out it's going to have a great impact on society the fifth trumpet found in chapter nine And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. Notice, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. Anyone been stung by a scorpion, bitten by a scorpion? I understand it to be one of the most painful uh, bites that you can endure. Uh, I've not either, and I don't plan to, by God's grace. Uh, Verse 6 And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. And the desire and shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Why do they want to die? Because of the pain. Because of the pain. Verse seven, and the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. Now notice it doesn't say they're the size of horses, it says the shape of them. Some Bible commentaries, I think commentators, I think, are more into fantasy land than taking the Bible for what it says. And on their heads were, as it were, crowns of gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. They had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron and the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle and they had tails like unto scorpions and there were stings in their tails and their power was to hurt men five months and they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. Those are uh, names of Satan. One woe is past and behold, uh, there come two woes more hereafter. So here we have these locust like creatures released from the bottomless pit, but uh, they are not ordinary locusts because locusts destroy vegetation. These uh, creatures were not going for vegetation, but we're going to inflict pain upon men that do not have the mark of the beast for five months. Revelation nine uses the comparative term like or as more than any other chapter in the Bible according to one commentator I read. The bite is like that of a scorpion but the pain of of which is not normally fatal but it is uh, the most intense pain of any insect bite known to man. And, And these locusts will not attack vegetation as I said But the pain will be so severe from those bites that they're in pain for five months to where these people want to die. They want to just take their life. I read this week that uh, the right to die legislation in the state of Oregon in the United States is 25 years old. 25 years ago, that state approved that if you could convince your doctor that you had such a condition that they would allow you, assist you to take your life. And they say they're averaging about 49,000 people a year that take advantage of that. Can you imagine? 49,000 people that think that their life is not worth living for whatever physical, emotional issues that they go to a doctor and get convinced, uh, convince the doctor that that would be the best way for them to lead this life. These people have no... Health issues by and large that we know of, but they will be in such pain that they can't stand it that they desire to die. Uh, when I visited Brother Tutto in the hospital, he said last Wednesday night when he had Michelle take him uh, to the hospital, uh, he said, normally they say, what's your pain scale? on uh, Zero to 10 or one to 10. He said it, it, it was a 12. In other words, it was driving him crazy. It was driving him crazy. Well, that's what was going on. And it's difficult for us to imagine such creatures. But uh, there's no reason not to take the Bible literally. Let the word of God say what God wants it to say. You don't have to read fiction into it. You don't have to make it bigger than it is. It's pretty graphic the way it is. And so uh, the Bible teaches that Satan and his demons have power over these locusts. And so they're sort of demonically directed and inflicting such great pain. No wonder verse number 12 says it is the first woe. Then beginning in verse number 13 of chapter 9, we have the sixth trumpet. Now I won't read the whole thing, but notice just quickly verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. So one out of every three uh, who are alive at that point in time will be killed at this sixth trumpet. Look down to chapter 11, verse number 13. And the same hour was there a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell and in the earthquake were slain of men seven thousand and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second woe is past, and behold the third woe cometh quickly. So In the seal judgments, if you remember last week, it said that one-fourth of the world's population was killed. Now under the sixth trumpet, another additional one-third of the world's population is killed. So it's one-third of that which was left, to my understanding, which means by this point in time, one-half of the world's population will have died in the tribulation, one-half. That's one, just count them off, Everywhere you go, look at your workplace. In the city where you live, your neighborhood, one out of two will have died. Verses 16 through 21, which we didn't read because we're running out of time. It talks about an army of horsemen, 200 million strong. Some say they are the armies of the Orient, but uh, we, we don't know. Others claim that they're hordes of demons. The Bible doesn't say but instead of repenting and turning to God, those who are not uh, those who are not killed will just simply harden their hearts. Look at chapter 9 and verse number 20. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk, neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Their religion will be one of idolatry and demonology. They will be Satan worshipers. Murder, sorcery, which is a reference to uh, the, the root of the word, gives the idea of drugs. Pharmacology would be the English word drawn from that root. Immorality and theft will be common. Trumpet number six. And then we come to verse number 15 of chapter 11, the seventh trumpet. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry. Thy wrath is come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that, they, uh, and that thou shouldst give reward to thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and, shoulder, uh, and shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of the testament, and there were lightnings, and voices, and thunders, and an earthquake, and great hail. And so we come to the end of the seventh trumpet. And it it has the idea of, uh, are we finally done? But the reality is, no, there are seven more judgments to come. Worse, more devastating, more destructive. Called the seven bull or the seven vile judgments uh, that will come before the end in chapter 16 that we'll see. I want you just to, uh, to understand that while that is going on, while God's judgment of righteous wrath is poured out on the earth, I read for you how uh, there will be in heaven a gathering before God, falling on our, our, our faces, worshiping him and thanking God. Obviously we can thank God for the deliverance we have in Christ, not having to experience what's going on on, on earth and knowing that our God is a righteous God. And as I said last week, you know, as we study the tribulation and we, we have one more week and then we'll move on, the point isn't just, a, you know, intellectual fascination. The point is, one day, the end of our opportunity to tell this world of Christ will come. And that means this isn't so we can know something that others don't know. This should be a motivation from the word of God to make certain that we're doing all we can to tell others that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to avoid and Jesus Christ is the only way. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we do thank you for how the word of God so clearly gives warning. And I pray, Lord, that we would... Heed the warning. We would hear the truth. We would understand that salvation is complete in Christ. And we have no reason to fear. But all of us know those who as yet are not saved. And how our hearts are to tremble. To think that there would be someone who we care about. Someone that we love who needs to know Jesus is the way. So, Lord, stir our hearts as we study your truth to understand that now is the time to speak. Now is the time to share the good news that the ones that we know and care about and those to the uttermost part of the world would not have to endure this awful time of judgment. Thank you for our church family. Help us this week. I do pray for the funeral service on Friday that you would help me as I formulate a message and that it would be used by your spirit to speak to hearts that yet need to be saved. We want to be a comfort and encouragement to the family and yet we want to speak truth because it is the truth that sets people free. And so Lord, we pray again tonight for Brother Greg. Help him to rest well. Be with Brother Tuthope. We pray you'll be able to be released from the hospital even tomorrow. And We pray for others in our church that are struggling. Strengthen them. Encourage them. And may we be busy about the Lord's business in these days. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.